Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lord, thank you for what you've done, are doing. Father, fill us again. Fill us again. And Lord, and with, do what only you can do. Thank you for the people who've got freedom, the new breakthroughs, whatever you did this morning. Thank you so much. But now we're hungry for more, Lord. We see, when we see you, whoa, we get so hungry for more. So our eyes are on you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Somebody came to ask, what happened there? Because if you haven't been in or seen something like this happen, it is quite a shock, like, whoa. But you know, we want to be, we want to be like the book of Acts. We want to be like the Gospels. This is, when Jesus walked around, this is my, must be what it looked like. Because he said he healed all, and the demons shrieked, and the people were healed. And, and this, this, to me, this is normal, is church. This is, this is us, bringing healing to each other. And we get so bound up that we need people to come and free us. We need each other to free each other up. And so this is quite biblical, really, when one reads the Gospels, when one reads the book of Acts. This is how it is. And so I'm very grateful to God. Very, very grateful. Very, very grateful. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to speak on what I started last night, our identity. Because you see, for me, I know who I am. When the security police would come to me in the townships and say, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You from this and you this and spit on me and various and abuse uh, are terrible. In my head, I, I didn't dare answer them, but in my head, I felt so unclean as they spoke these things. They swore and oh, it was awful, awful. And in my head, I would build myself up saying, you don't know who you're messing with. I'm a child of God. I have been commissioned by God. Be afraid. Be very afraid. But that was for my sake. I would build myself up in my head to keep my shoulders back. And so I learned how to know who I am, who I know who I am. In him. He lives in us. The God who created, who spoke everything into being, lives inside you and I. Isn't that incredible? And then people say, who do you think you are? We are so loaded with him. And you know, Terry Virgo, who started our whole movement of churches, I heard him speak once because I used to think, well, I've got this robe of righteousness on. But if somebody, if it just slips, they're going to see the real me, which is not too nice. And Terry once spoke and he said, if you take an onion and you peel the first layer 
What's underneath? Onion. And the next layer? Onion. And you know, when we peel us, no matter how many layers you peel off, Jesus, Jesus, he saved us through and through. Isn't that amazing? That is totally, totally incredible. And that's where the enemy tries to actually get us in our confidence. And our sense of identity is often based on what we do for a living. Yeah. You can nod, you can interact with me. Or, or, what, or what hobbies we have. This explains the urge people have when meeting a new person to ask, so what job do you do? So in Africa, when you meet somebody, they ask, so which tribe are you from? What's your family? Who are you? It's the person. Coming to the West, it's what do you do? And so you get put into a category of, oh, street sweeper. Oh, you're a doctor. Does it make sense? We put people, and we actually carry these things, and it makes our shoulders go one way or the other way as our identity is in the work that we do. And so when we lose our job, our identity takes a knock. Or when one retires and suddenly there's, like, who am I now? Who am I now? And so our, our identity has got to be built in God at all times. And you've actually got to work at it. No, it doesn't matter if my job is gone. I lose all my money. I'm still a child of God. And it's, it's, it's quite an intentional thing to read the Bible and say, this is who I am. This is who I am. It's not about my work. Our brains were given to us by God, and our work is given by God. And praise him for it. And some people get this job, and some people get that job. But every single one is important. Yeah, so this explains the depression people feel when they lose work or employment. Along with the job goes a fair degree of their sense of identity and sense of worth. And that's a massive thing, and the enemy uses this to rob us of our identity. In Ephesians 2 verse 7 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit, is now at, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature, by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Where are you seated now? Now you can tell me in Hastings, but that's just the behind. But in actual fact, who we are, we're already seated in heavenly places. And we need to act seated. Often we act unseated. Oh boy, not me. I used to be in heavenly places, but not anymore. 
but, it, but we are always seated in heavenly, in heavenly places. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God is kind. Over the past months he's been speaking to me about kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. That shocked me. I've read it umpteen times. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. And I was struck, but I read it over and over because kindness sounds a bit woosy, like nice. And yet kindness is a gift of the Holy Spirit, the um, fruit of the Spirit. And it's the kindness of God. So I do something wrong and I expect God to give me a good wallop. And he doesn't. He's kind to me. And in that kindness, I get so surprised at his love that I repent and, and turn around and live differently. And God is looking for a kind people. The world isn't kind. And you know what? Sometimes the church isn't kind. We're not kind to each other. But may our hallmark be kindness to each other, bearing with each other's um, weaknesses, showing love to each other. That is our job, really. That's who we are. We are different. We are the upside-down kingdom, or we are the right-way-up kingdom, working into the upside-down kingdom. We are just different. Sometimes we're trying so hard to fit in to the world, to give them the gospel, that we lose our power. We're different. The way we even approach Brexit and Remain we must be different. No matter what we chose, we're the church. We bring healing and reconciliation and hope. We do not lead, lose hope no matter what happens because we are God's number one for healing of the nation. You up for that? Yeah? It's a, that's a big deal. It's a big, coming from a political nation, in this nation now it's a big deal. The church being strong and being the church. And speaking hope and health over people. Only those who are in Christ, those who follow him, can know their true identity and can answer the question, who am I? So I'm going to read to you from the Passion. The Passion version of the Bible. I forgot to bring my actual book. You know, now I've got to go on the iPad. Here we are. It's from Ephesians 1. Who are we in Christ? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has already, has already, has already been lavished upon us as a loved gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, has already been lavished. I love the words of the Passion Bible because it's kind. It's a, it's a, it's a version that brings, that they've caught the heart of God. Not that the other, I love my ESV. But this brings out something in a way 
that it's just using words differently. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God has lavished, lavished his love on me. Was that easy to say? Was it easy to say? Yeah? Who found it difficult? God has lavished his love on me. Who found it difficult? Nobody will put their hand up now. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own joining us to himself even before he laid the foundations of the universe. That's amazing. So every single one, you know, we carry guilt and shame and look what I did and how, oh, and look how blue it yesterday and so on. Before time, God knew. He knew exactly who we would be, who we'd be born to, what our history would be, and he chose us regardless. So no matter what you've done... He knew, and it's okay. He chose us anyway because he knew he was enough. Jesus would be enough to do the clean-up job. De Jesus died for our guilt and our shame. So I just speak wholeness over each one of us today, wholeness from guilt and shame. Don't let the enemy get to your head. Yeah, but look what you did. Look what you did. You stole you cheated the tax man. You had an abortion. You had an affair. You did pornography. You did. You did. It's like God knew. And he says, now move on. Move on from that. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Jesus through and through like the onion. Cut us. We, Jesus, inside you, covered with Jesus. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus. Always his plan. We, not one of us is, is a mistake, born again by mistake. It was in his plan. Amazing, amazing. Adopt us as his delightful children. So often we don't feel delighted with ourselves. He delights in us, I, even in our silliness, even when we make mistakes. He says, oh, come on, get up. Come on. You're still my child. I still think you're the greatest. You're still the apple of my eye. He's just a good God. He's so much unlike us that he blows our minds. So much unlike us. Adopt us as delightful children through our union with Jesus the anointed one. Now listen to this. So his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. Father, will you cascade your love? Let us feel your love cascading over us. Really, Lord, we need to be cascaded with your love. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Now, if, if that doesn't blow our minds, 
for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. You and I are loved by the Father as much as the Father loved Jesus. That's huge. I don't think our minds can even grasp that. We can't grasp that. But this is who we are. So Sam read from 1 John, uh, what love the Father has lavished on us to be called children of God, and this is who we are. Exactly. And here it says in Ephesians, this is who we are. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins. Totally cancelled. Totally cancelled. Totally cancelled. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. That word cascading. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. God has given us wisdom and practical understanding. It's not about university. It's a wisdom that is way beyond university. It's deep from him in how to live and how to be and how to walk as a child of God. And through the, re the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled the secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. He's given us the gospel. He's given us his plan. We are the hope and the plan to bring healing and hope all around us. Look at the person next to you. Do you think they're a hope bringer? <laughs> Sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, oh boy, God could have done a bit better than us, than this. But you know what? He's happy. He's happy with us. We are enough because his Holy Spirit in us does the work. He's very happy with the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing. I can do nothing. If you noticed, I stood up here while the Holy Spirit was working down there. I had nothing to do with it. I'm just an unlocker. You see, I'm, I, I am a door opener, and that's it. And then I stand back, and I watch God at work. Because he does it is not about us. It's the Holy Spirit living in us who does all the work that he is as predestined for us to do. And because of God's unfailing purpose, he, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax, when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. And you know, so often in the past it was said, God is dead and the church is dead. And, you know, the church is going to be no more. In 20 years' time, the church will be no more. Never. What the Bible says, it goes on forever and ever until he comes again. So be very encouraged. Jesus has saved us from the original curse on creation by becoming a curse in our place. And I know you, all, you know all this. But sometimes we need to go over it again to know who we are. Because when we're hungry, we've got to go back to the beginning and say, Father, I'm born again. This is who I am. 
We must never get tired of the gospel. Never, ever get tired of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. And so we do. We grow, and as you get older, we, get, we learn so much. We do this, and we do that, and this course, and that course. But it's all on the foundation of the gospel and who we are in God. Jesus has taken away the shame of our sin by bearing that sin on the cross at Calvary. You know, so often we talk about guilt. So the third world, we talk about a shame culture, or Middle East has a shame culture. Shame is who you are as a person. And it is said the West is a guilt culture in what I do wrong makes me guilty. When I'm asked for forgiveness, then my guilt is gone and I can walk free. With the Middle East and, and third world countries, it is shame. It's not I must confess my sin because uh, shame is, but I'm a bad person. Not I've done bad, I'm a bad person. But into the West is coming shame culture as well. And into the third world is coming guilt culture. It's getting all mixed. And so to know that Jesus died for our guilt and our shame. He died for what we do and did wrong, but also for our sin, being, bo being uh, born with a sinful nature. He died for the shame of that. And we are all free. Does it make sense? When you work with Middle Eastern people, you, you work and you speak according to their shame, not their guilt. Because, well I, well, I did bad, so what? But when it affects family, if they do something wrong and it affects their family, that's the shame. Because of Jesus, we've been given a brand new start in life. We no longer see ourselves through the dark glasses of sin and shame, but see each ourselves and each other through the... Through through the eyes of a Savior who loved us enough to give his life for us. Many people try to achieve a sense of identity through their relationship with friends, colleagues, associates, and people in authority in our lives. The problem with basing our sense of identity on the opinions and feedback of others is that opinions change. And our sense of good identity can fluctuate depending on the moods and opinions. So sometimes somebody likes me and I'm up. And the next day they don't like me and I'm down. You can't depend on jobs or education or even what people think of us. And we quite like, we go by very much. And especially in this media age. Facebook. Everybody's on holiday. I think... <laughs> All I do is work, and everybody's on holiday. And they go to these exotic places. And then I go to the churches where they're at, and then I minister to them. I think, oh, Facebook, it talks about the exotic places, but the real life is tough. Do you see? Media lies, and so we shape ourselves, and we always end up worse, really, um, because we think, I'm not. Look at them. They've got all these friends. They've got 1,800 and something friends, and I've got five. <laughs> Do you see? We get shaped by media, and we don't realize what it's doing in our heads, how it's actually shaping who we are. 
And that's why we've got to keep on coming back to identity. I'm a child of God. I love that song. I am a child of God. It's declaring over and over over ourselves. And please, people, read this. Please read this. Because with the media, we also read lots of blogs and books and maybe even listen to downloads of sermons of this super, super dude and that one and this one. And our quiet times become filled with what comes from the media. And this, this is what must shape us because God speaks to us. When we listen to other people, it's people filtering from their lenses. And I, I do that too, but don't forget this. Please don't forget this. This is what must shape us. And wherever I go, this is sadly lacking. The reading of this is sadly lacking now. And so even reading it on one's phone or something, you're reading it and then the message pops up. Ooh, I've got a WhatsApp. And we go to the WhatsApp. Do you see? And so please guard your heart and your mind and keep reading the Bible. I don't say that I read it on electronic as well at times. But please, please guard your heart and mind or the identity slowly gets sucked away. And we wonder who we are because everybody is flying high and yet we're still plodding. Often our sense of identity is based on how we're doing in life, our performance. When we judge that, we, when we judge we are doing well, we have a good sense of identity. When we fail, our sense of identity is broken. And it's like, well, now I'm no good because I've just failed. I did this, so I did that, and so my identity goes with that. Instead of, no, actually, I made a mistake. My identity in Christ is still the same. Does it make sense? Am I hitting a few buttons here? And unless we get told this, we don't, we don't even realize how... It's being sucked out of us. I had a previous pastor, and um, he would say, trying to be, use an American accent, the world does something to you. The world does something to you. And he would say, it's so subtle. It creeps in so subtly, and before you know it, your brain has been changed into a worldly way of thinking without even realizing because we base ourselves on work colleagues, on newspapers, on media, and so on. And that's why we've got to keep our eyes on him. Keep, keep, keep keeping on. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God all the time. A proper understanding of the grace of God is essential if we are to have a sense of our true identity. Some of us tried so hard with our earthly fathers and failed. As far as the heavenly father is concerned, he has given us this new identity as a gift and he has sent Jesus to do the work for us. He does not expect us to earn his approval. We have it already through his son. The Lord Jesus. So I work hard. If you see my diary, it will blow your mind. And you must understand last night, 
When we came from Cambridge from 2 o'clock in the afternoon till quarter to 8, I was driving all that way. And then I got up here and I spoke. Yeah? I work hard. But I don't do it to earn brownie points. I do it because I love God to bits. If I never did this again, he'd still love me. But oh, my passion for the church and my passion for the kingdom and to see God break through like he did in the earlier session. I just stand here thinking, oh, Father, you're wonderful. Only you can do that. You see, it's that. That's what keeps me going. Not to earn, oh, I better do this. Otherwise, he's not going to like me. He likes me. And he likes you as is. But I do it because, because he likes me and loves me. He's put something in me that just wants to keep on going to serve him. Just a little caveat. One day, well, for a week, I knew there was an area in which I needed to change. And I spent time with God saying, oh, Father, please change me. Father, please change. And I didn't really move on because I kept on coming back to, Father, please change me. Father, please change me. Do any of you do that? And yes, I needed changing. But after a week, I wasn't doing, it's like I got stuck. Like the old records in the old days, stuck. And it plays the same old tune over and over and over. And in the end, I heard Father say to me, getting a bit boring now. Move on. I like you as you are now. I know you need changing, and when I'm ready to change you, I will change you. But until then, I like you as you are. Why are you keeping on? I know. I thought that the more I asked him, the more I'm passionate to, for him to change me, the more he will change me. And he said, no. In three weeks' time, I'll change you there. But today, I like you, even with that. And I want to speak that over people here. God likes you as you are now. And he will change you. But be aware that you need changing. But give it to him. Father God, will you do something about whatever, I'm going to give it to you now. Lord, my eyes are on you to change me, but now I'm going to serve you. Even with this, I'm going to serve you. Do you see the difference? Instead of waiting and waiting and waiting and missing out because I can't really serve because there's this and I can't. It's like now I'm going to serve because you're the one who can change me and I know you'll do it. And it just turned my world upside down. I thought, he likes me, not only loves me, but he likes me. And he will change me. Because he knows. But I don't need to be stuck in needing to be changed. Ooh. So be free in Jesus' name to be you to advance his kingdom while longing to be changed. While longing to be changed. Because we need to be changed, every single one of us, until we die. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Who's new here? 
For in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Who has been renewed? Change my wording. But then at times, why do we live like we're still waiting to be renewed? Do you see? I've, uh, at King's Arms Bedford, they, they do these conferences called the Father's Heart. And people swarm there every year. And I've been there and spoken there, and it's amazing. The, the room is crowded out of people being healed um, because of the pain from the past and so on. Totally amazing. And you see, God wants to bring healing to us. And what gets broken over people mostly at King's Arms is the orphan spirit. Because we've got a dad. We are adopted into his family, even if we weren't parented well or things have gone wrong. And we live like orphans, like we've got to earn the right and so on. But Greg and I have two adopted grandsons. They are wonderful, absolutely wonderful. We got the one when he was nine days old and the one when he was nine months old. The nine-day-old is now 13 and a prefect in his school. And the nine-month-old, well, he is first-team everything sporty. And uh, he, he's got, he's 11, bulging from the swimming. And we are so proud of them. What has struck me with adoption is these two boys, they've, did done, they've done nothing to deserve a thing. But they were brought into our family. They inherited our son-in-law's surname. When the parents die, those two boys inherit everything. But they've done nothing to deserve a thing of it. And it's given me an understanding of adoption in a deeper way because that's how we are with Jesus. God has adopted us into his family and we are co-heirs with Christ already, already seated in heavenly places, already given everything for life and godliness. And I'm passionate about identity because I know how much it helped me in the townships to know who I am and therefore make a difference in society. But when we battle a bit with identity, we don't do the works. We're just a bit nervous to do the works. Am I right? Or Yeah, but nervous. And so I feel God is, it's the season of God pressing identity on us. Your identity. Know who you are in God. Let's get my notes in order here. God rescued me by his kindness. Who does God say I am? Who does God say you are? God rescued me by his kindness through Jesus, giving me salvation I so desperately needed, and this without strings attached. You know, the world gives things with strings attached. We give each other stuff with strings attached. God has given us salvation with no strings attached. Nothing. It's free. That's, and, and, and we get shocked. He has told me 
that I can never earn this salvation by trying to be good. If I did, I would only become arrogant and begin to boast about my own holiness. Through the death of Jesus, I'm made holy without ugly blemishes and free from the accusations I have felt for so long. It is good to know that I'm not a sinner. When I heard a preach, I think again it was by Terry Virgo, and it was, we are called saints, not sinners. You know, you read in the Bible and you understand it, and then you hear somebody preach on it, you think, oh. If you are a follower of Jesus here today, you are no longer a sinner. No longer a sinner. We are called saints. And you know, a sinner, if we are called sinners, what do sinners do? They sin. Then there's like no hope. But when we're called saints, we do not have to sin. But when we do, there's one who we run to and he forgives us. Now that's grace. Saints don't have to sin. We have a choice. Amazing. We are called saints. No longer sinners. I'm not a sinner anymore, but totally in agreement with his righteousness. I've died to my old life, and my new life is now hidden with Christ in God. As far as God's concerned, I have already been raised up, and I'm sitting with Jesus in the heavenly places. As far as God's concerned, I'm already raised up. So we sing these resurrection songs that Jesus raised from the and raised us up and seated us in heavenly places. This is this is from the Bible. This is what it is. We're already raised up. We're already raised up. Amazing. Therefore I'm both saved and safe for all eternity. I'm a new creation, a new person with a new and wholesome future. My past has no hold on me. Now I've told you all this, and you've all nodded, because you all know this. Now I'm going to test what you know. <laughs> because you see, we're a bunch of nodding people. And we have been preached, we've heard preachings, and this is foundation stuff, and we all nod. But when it comes to, when we go out there, who are we there? When we're sitting here, we all nod. And we're so well taught. We are so well taught. And when you taught long, we think we know it and we, it's all in here. And we think we're doing what we know or living what we know. And we get out there and we think, oh, somebody says something, so who am I now? And it gets robbed of us. So Greg and I have a nine-year-old granddaughter. She's a wonderful gymnast. She splits and she flips and she, it blows our mind. And um, last year it was the Commonwealth Games. And she came to me and she said, I've learned a lesson. Okay, what? Well, dad gave me, her dad gave her the iPad and said, watch the girls on the, in the Commonwealth Games on the bars and the flips and all that. And I watched for an hour or two. And as I watched, I did it in my mind, and so I thought I could do it. Then I went outside, and I tried to do it, and I couldn't do anything. 
I had watched for so long that in my mind I thought I could do it. And I thought, oh my word, this girl has just prophesied what I'm feeling. We listen to lots of words and we all nod. And we read the Bible and we nod. But then, when, when it comes to um, actually doing who we are, we lose something. So I read to you from Ephesians 1, which is, I'm already I'm blessed within the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Um, I would like you to find somebody that you don't normally have long conversations with in this place now. And you are going to say to them, please, and you each have a turn, I am a child of God. I am seated in heavenly places. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and power. I'm no longer a sinner but a saint. In your own words, but it's the I. Not, don't say to the person you, because it's easy to tell somebody else, but to tell somebody looking at them in the eye, this is who I am. It's the most massive breakthrough that you can have to actually declare to someone else, this is who I am. And culturally, it may be, yeah, but ooh, I'm not allowed to, how can I say that to someone? The Bible says it, therefore you can say it to someone. And if you are able to say it to someone, it's spiritual warfare. It's not about showing off. It's about what the Bible says. And it's spiritual warfare to declare, I am a child of God. We can sing it. But can we declare it to each other? One, two, three, go. Find somebody who you, not your best mate or your husband and wife and so on. Find somebody Look them in the eyes and tell them who you are. Has everybody been able to tell each other who they are in God? Oh, I wish I could whistle like this. I didn't. It was on my bucket list. <laughs> God, I did it. I whistled. I'm not going to try it again. Wow. I thought somebody else did it. You did it. You see. Thank you. I thought, how can this be? Anyway. Who found it difficult? Who found it difficult to tell people? And we've got to be honest. Because this is what this day is about. Who found it difficult to tell people?
Isn't it interesting, huh? We find it difficult. Who found it easy? Who found it? Okay, we're going to have lunch now. And then after, after lunch, I will explain what we will do. Okay? Because it is. It's, it's not always an easy thing to say. Um, it could be difficult. But God wants to give us a breakthrough. Okay? Father God. Father God. Father, I, I just want to thank you even for that exercise because we listen. And these people have been so well taught. And I read them from the Bible. And I did all these notes. And still, it is a, it's difficult because of the mindsets. And we want to ask for breakthrough. After lunch, Lord, breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, for each one of us, a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah, Father, thank you for people who have prepared coffee and all those things. We are very grateful. Very grateful. And thank you for lunch, Lord. Where's Sam? Come and do your thing.